This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the legislature today. I'm Bob Brunner. There's been a full slate of activities as legislative committees wind down their activities and action shifts to the chamber floors. Improving early childhood literacy has been a key objective of this year's session. The renewed focus came after state and national test results in 2022 showed steep declines in reading and math scores. Coming into the final week, a plan to boost reading in grades K through three seemed all but final until a House committee Monday afternoon. Chris Schultz has more. Senate Bill 274 was introduced in the first week of the session. The bill, titled the Third Grade Success Act, would enact several changes to how literacy is taught from kindergarten through third grade, which is considered a crucial period for lifetime reading skills. After some discussion over the potential cost of the bill's proposal to increase the number of assistant teachers and reading coaches in classrooms, the Senate passed it. Just a few weeks ago, when the Senate presented its budget, it included more than $30 million for the bill's implementation, and everything seemed set for the Third Grade Success Act to sail past the finish line. That was until the House Education Committee took up the bill Monday afternoon. Senator Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County and the Senate Education Chair, said she's still trying to make sense of the House Committee's actions. 274 that had the original Third Grade Success Act actually was, I want to say, gutted in House Education and the dyslexia bill that's sitting in my, in my committee currently was put in, in it in place um, of all the other language. Grady said that while addressing dyslexia is important, the Third Grade Success Act aims to improve the state's basic literacy and address every student. Grady and her colleagues in the Senate Education Committee have reinserted the language of early childhood literacy as well as dyslexia intervention into another bill, House Bill 3035, in the hopes that the program can still pass this session. We were understanding that 274 was going to be the literacy bill of the session. That was changed all of a sudden for some reason. There was no discussion in committee. I don't know why. I haven't been given a reason. I just, I don't care if it's under 274 or if it's under 3035, but the language that was in the Third Grade Success Act, which is Senate Bill 274, is really important for our students and our teachers and our K-3 classrooms, and it would be unfortunate if, if we lost that due to some politics, you know? So it's just, the most important thing to me is that that language passes so that we can start implementing that in our classrooms. Delegate Joe Ellington, a Republican from Mercer County and House Education Chair, said the change is simply part of the legislative process, especially with different bills vying to achieve similar goals. This happens all the time at the end of the session that you look at different competing versions 
look at who wants to move what, where, and uh, come up with the best uh, option that we can do. But I'm sure at the end of the day, we'll probably get something accomplished with that. Both legislators are hopeful that a path forward can be found to help West Virginia students, but nothing is guaranteed until midnight Saturday. I'm fairly confident it's just uh, at the end of the day on midnight on Saturday night, we have to have a product that goes out. If we don't, then obviously that would be uh, not a good thing. Uh, you still have to have the governor sign it. So until it's all done and it's signed in the law, it's still just a, a process right now. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. A bill that limits the number of substance use treatment beds per West Virginia County is now completed legislation. House Bill 3337 passed the House after returning from the Senate amended. It limits the number of substance use disorder 28-day treatment beds to 250. Wood County has 26% of the entire state treatment beds. Delegate Vernon Kress, a Republican from Wood County, says the limit is needed to counter an overwhelming influx of out-of-state patients who he says abuse a system meant for West Virginians. We are recruiting people from Idaho, Montana, from Colorado. They're coming to West Virginia. They are coming to Parkersburg. They're coming to take those beds. And if they took their treatments and did what they said they were going to do to get better, that's all fine and well and become productive citizens again. But they didn't do that. They got into the program, they quit the program, and become problems for the city of Parkersburg and for the county of Wood. Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, opposed the bill saying treatment bed numbers should be based on a county's need, not an artificial number. At some point that might be more than 250 in some counties, but in a lot of counties it won't be 250. But when you cap it, once again, you're increasing the value of the license, and those licenses will be sold. Uh, I, I, I think that there are a lot of issues the state's facing that, um, uh, whether it's homelessness, petty crime, I, I, personally, I think that that would go up if you have less treatment options. The bill passed 76 to 19 and is effective from passage. It goes to the governor's desk for signature. The House also passed Senate Bill 99 which establishes procedures for potential consolidation of school districts. Legislators raise concerns about the possible loss of employment and severance pay with potential consolidation. Neither issue was addressed in the bill. And they passed House Bill 2917 that allows retired state employees who meet the minimum qualifications necessary to go back to work for the Department of Health and Human Resources, the department faces continued employee recruitment challenges and several state departments are now working to bring back retirees. Wednesday was Red Cross Day at the Capitol, a chance to showcase the organization's mission of saving lives through blood donation and the efforts of generous volunteers. Caroline McGregor has our story. The month of March has been formally recognized by the West Virginia Legislature as American Red Cross Month. Erica Mani serves as Chief Executive Officer for the Central Appalachia region of the American Red Cross. 
She said the Senate's resolution not only recognizes the organization's mission, but the mission's founder and first president, Clara Barton, who in 1881 turned her dedication for helping others into a calling to offer tangible help to people suffering from accidents or disasters. It is our Red Cross Day at the Capitol, and we are bringing awareness uh, to our mission to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies. And we do that through our volunteers and our generous donors. Multiple educational booths and tables lined the hallway outside the upper Senate Rotunda, all drawing attention to the organization's annual capital blood drive. The goal? Inspiring people to give of their time, money or blood. You know, we're receiving donations of blood today and uh, it is a critical part of our uh, mission to make sure that life-saving blood is on the shelves of our hospitals so our local community members who come out and do this are true heroes. Manny said just one donor donating one pound of blood can save three lives. The Red Cross has been a consistent lifeline for people where help is needed the most. Volunteers provide disaster relief assistance and health and safety training and can take on leadership positions in disaster response, mental and emotional health services or work as community educators. Our goal is to make sure that our communities are resilient, whether that is with the blood on the shelves, whether that is with trained individuals, with life-saving CPR and first aid skills, um, and whether that is following a disaster which, you know, we see all the time um, on the news, the big tornadoes, hurricanes, wildfires. Um, but one of the things that is most common that we don't see as much of is the Red Cross is responding to home fires every day in our communities across this region. The Red Cross responds to about 1,200 disaster events each year. In the first two months of 2023, the organization helped more than 500 people, most of whom were affected by home fires. That includes a large apartment fire in Charleston in January that left several dozen residents displaced. The Red Cross jumped into action and has since rehoused every single person affected. In addition to disaster aid, the Red Cross provides service to active duty veterans and their families, training and blood collection services, and free home installation of fire alarms. While the Red Cross makes an impact in multiple capacities around the world, blood collection and donation top their crisis-related services, and blood donors are always in demand. Jason Harshbarger serves on the board of directors with the Red Cross in West Virginia and is a regular blood donor. We take blood and life for granted, and um, when you're on the receiving end or you have a loved one that needs blood, it's very vital to have that blood donation. One blood donation will save three lives. And also, it's a product that we can't manufacture. We cannot manufacture blood in a laboratory to save somebody's life. So we definitely need volunteers to donate blood um, for those life-saving aspects for the Red Cross and for also family needs when you're in that situation. Harshbarger said during the pandemic, donations fell off, but the Red Cross is now ramping up its efforts to encourage volunteers to donate blood. I just look at it this way. You never know when you're going to be on the other end of needing blood for an emergency surgery, a car accident, or a health issue. So if I can save one life with donating blood once every 10 to 12 weeks, it really means a lot to me. The American Red Cross Central Appalachia region delivers services throughout 77 counties in West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Ohio and Kentucky, helping communities prepare for and respond to disasters 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. For the Legislature Today, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston.
Just before the start of the session, the state had to come to grips with several reports showing concerning declines in math and reading scores. Now, at the end of the legislative session, reporter Chris Schultz looks into what's been done so far to improve student outcomes. Thank you so much, Bob. I'm joined now by House Education Chair Joel uh, Ellington, excuse me. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me. So uh, it's the last couple days of session here. I mean, we only have two full days left and then uh, the final day on Saturday. So it really is becoming a question of uh, what's left to accomplish and what has been accomplished. Well, so go ahead. I was just going to ask you, you know, just to start off generally, uh, what were your uh, main objectives for this session? Well, we have a number of objectives. Obviously, we're looking at kindergarten through 12th grade for public school, private, and um, we have also the charters, too. Um, we're also looking at higher education, and then we're also looking at adult education, too. So all of those components and all the things that, are, that affect that, we'll look at the environments for the students, what uh, goals we have set for them that we'd like to achieve, the work environment for the people that work there and help out, our teachers, our supportive staff, uh, each of the facilities, things like that. So all of those things we have to look at as far as uh, each year, what things can we do to help improve their lives, and then of course obviously funding is a major concern and it's a finite thing, but we try to do what we can to, to help with moving things along. So Delegate, um, you know, you mentioned we try and do the same thing each year, try and improve, but this year was kind of unique because it started out with not one, not two, but several studies showing very starkly where our students are at coming out of COVID-19. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, how has the legislature reacted to the NAEP test scores, for example, the state uh, assessment scores, and, and what still needs to be done with regards to that? A lot has to be done, at least from our part. And uh, we, we were not too pleased with where the results were. Uh, no, there have been a number of factors that enter into that, especially after the COVID pandemic. Uh, did not help us at that, that point. I will say for the past couple years, um, from house education, we've been working on how to improve those scores and from kindergarten through third grade. So we had worked on that last year, had a bill that went over to the Senate uh, where we tried to have intensive training for kids that might have been below proficiency uh, during those times. And then also the teacher aid uh, bill. Um, both of those, uh, the aid bill didn't make it through the House Finance. The, um, the K-3 bill that we had did go to over to the Senate, but uh, didn't make it through Senate Finance. So over the summer, we worked together to combine both of those. Uh, our intent was that by third, end of third grade, that if children are not proficient in literacy, that's gonna be a big problem for them. That studies seem to show that uh, they don't progress as well uh, and it just it gets worse as the years go on. Uh, we did model uh, legislation after Florida and Mississippi um, that had success in those areas. So when we combined that, we had House Bill 2003, which was one of our caucus bills that we wanted to move. Um, the Senate also had a similar bill, Senate Bill 274, that they were working on, similar f findings and plans. Um, the governor also had one too. Uh, which well, as you said, this is House Bill 3035. So yes, all bodies were were interested in this and trying to prove that. So we had similar bills, and all of them had uh, very good things in them. Some things that we have dis discrepancies about, or ways we might be able to do better. But the general goal was to help p target that. 
with the intent that we put more intensive uh, effort into our kindergarten through third grade, also helping the teachers and the staff uh, because the support, because when you get class sizes above a certain limit, especially if you have other individuals in there that might be slowing down progress or taking away the progress for other children, we wanted to try to at least look at how can we improve that, and that's where the AIDS part came in. And of course, there's a manpower issue with that and also funding issues, so those were hurdles we were trying to get through. But I think after those test scores came back, the governor was probably on board with it. I can't speak for him, uh, but I know the House and Senate was, and uh, the funding part was then going to materialize a little better at that point. And with us having a, uh, a surplus this year, uh, that was uh, one of the priorities to, to prioritize where the funding might have gone to. Uh, other areas that we were looking at though, we have um, bills that I had put in. We had a teacher raise bill, service personnel. Uh, those were House Bills 2828 and 2598. What we were trying to achieve with that uh, was to get to the 50th percentile of our neighboring states. So that, that would take away, one, that argument about you're not paying us enough, but by the same token say, yes, we want to reward you for what you're doing and at least get us on par with our neighboring states. We'd love to give them more, but we felt that would be at least one area. Those didn't make it through finance, but they did make it through the House Education Committee. So that's a start and obviously it's a process, so this may take some more time to do that in the future. Of course, the governor had his state employee pay raise, not quite to the level that we were trying to get to, but at least that's some help there. Uh, other areas we're looking at was how do we help our teachers. Uh, there was, we did a, a, a survey last year where we found out from the chapter 18 part, part of the code what things could we do to make their lives a little better. Uh, not a lot of significant stuff that we were able to do, but we did have legislation uh, for increasing their personal leave days uh, that they could take in, in sequence, uh, trying to preserve their duty-free lunch and uh, planning periods. We also looked at uh, their requirements for having to do the IEPs, because the teachers are usually the ones that were stuck with doing that. So we wanted to take some of that burden off of them. So those are bills that came out of our, uh, our talks with them over last year. Um, we have a bill 2832, which was looking at the duties for school counselors. Mm. Uh, we wanted to let the counselors do their work and not be pulled away to a lot of administrative duties. Uh, that made it through the House I think it's, uh, it's still sitting in the uh, in, uh, Senate side, but that was to help improve that. Um, other areas, the, um, we had, like I said, 2003, the early childhood and K-3 literacy, but we also added numeracy to that bill. Uh, we felt that mathematics was also very important. That was something we wanted to continue. Uh, dyslexia and dyscalculia, those are two things that we have in, in House Bill 3293. Um, we're trying to keep that into the K-3 teacher aid bills uh, because we think that's an important area and we were able to achieve funding for that. So that's an important one that's still alive and still, uh, still out there. Um, so Delegate, you've mentioned, yes. I mean, just uh, Yeah, different so areas different, we're trying to help. Absolutely, yes. and, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, I am curious just because it's, it's on everyone's mind and, and I know that you and I talked about this earlier today, but I've heard you mention early childhood literacy, the importance of that K-3. through um, 2003, as you mentioned, unfortunately, did not progress, but 275, uh, I believe it is. 274. 274, thank you. Was the Senate one. Was the Senate one, which did, it, you know, it made it all the way to your committee this week, and then um, we had a strike and insert, which removed everything about literacy and, and specifically only added in dyslexia, which is obviously an important issue, but I just was, uh, and I think many people are very curious as to, 
if uh, addressing literacy is such an important issue for house education, as you've just laid out, m not just one bill, but multiple bills, why was that done um, on, on Monday to that particular bill? Well, to be honest with you, there's different strategies. We had, as I mentioned, there were three competing bills. Uh, the House bill, we uh, decided not to push that further through House finance. Mm -hmm. uh, we could have easily done that. We decided to use the Governor's Bill 3035 as the um, mechanism. We had revised our 2003 to meet certain questions that had arisen as far as Title I, Title II funding that might be lost through the other bills, 2003 and 274. So we revised that to make it uh, more, uh, not just policy, but more best practices. Because mm -hmm. we didn't want to lose federal funding in order to achieve that. If we mandate things, then we lose that that uh, extra funding. Uh, we were also trying to keep the costs down too as far as what we did there. It's variations as far as do we start in third grade, first, second, and go on because we, the total bill was going to be over $110 million. Yeah. Uh, we were appropriated 37 which would cover at least one class. The other issues was the governor's bill also had the Grow Your Own program for the teachers development. Which I know uh, which was important Roche to has, us. Has been very, uh, He's made it a, a point to try and expand that to every right. school in the state. So to tell you the truth, we, we felt from the House position that we put our revised 2003 into the governor's 3035 bill and kept his grow your own. I see. And then we also felt that we wanted the dyslexia bill to be in there too. So we used that in the mechanism in 274. I see. Now, the, both of those bills are in both chambers. Now it gets down to fine-tuning negotiations, where do we move things? Yeah. And right now it looks like 3035 is going to be the mechanism, and that's where we're looking at. But we want each of those components in there to give a comprehensive plan. And it does seem that that's what's been achieved, at least um, as of yesterday's uh, education. Obviously, Senate education, excuse me, finance is going to be, <laughs> excuse us, a, another me. issue. Um, but. I, I am curious, again, going back to the, to the list that you gave us just now, one of the big issues going into this session uh, was, you know, uh, staffing. I mean, you just mentioned it a couple different times, yes. places where you want more people, you want to limit the, the number of students that each teacher is, uh, is responsible for, that's, that's been proven to be effective. I wanted to ask you about this plan to bring back retirees. Um, you know, what are the, for to lack of a better term, the guardrails? How long are we expecting these people to come out of retirement and, and what roles are they going to be taking on? Well, there are a lot of limitations as far as what the, the state can do with the retirees because of the retirement plan. Currently, they can, they can do up to 140 days of instruction, but you also don't want to have people retiring and then go back to working and kind of double dipping. That was the whole problem with the retirement part. But they're a good resource. We have a shortage, and we've actually tried to improve areas for shortage. That's part of the reason for the pay raises. As I mentioned, we wanted to try to get up to the 50th percentile so we can at least keep people in the state or recruit more to the state. Because we would be more, we are actually more competitive on some of our neighboring states, but less competitive, particularly in the north and eastern part. Um, so manpower is one thing. The AIDS part is another thing. You just can't create a thousand new AIDS. Right. Uh, so we're going, we plan on starting and placing them in places and classes that the greatest needs are and, and, and then add to that with time hopefully. And we've mentioned kind of just in passing the Grow Your Own, but that's specifically that was, what that's hoping to do is 
identify students in high school, high school to and get them, you know, to commit in the next three to four years to be that person. Correct. Um, so, so uh, delegate, excuse no, me. No, and I'm not trying to stop you. Go no, ahead. No, 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 and I'm not trying to stop you either. But we're, we are down to the last couple of minutes okay. together, and I just want to ask you, you know, as, as we started with, we've only got about two days, three at the most, if you, yes. if you count Saturday as a working day. It seems to be more procedural. But um, what are you hoping to get done in the next couple of days? Well, I, ex I expect that we'll have a K-3 literacy numeracy bill with teacher aides out in some form. I expect that. I think my Senate colleague does too, and I think both chambers do. And it's up to the governor as far as if we do pass that, that, they, that he signs that. Uh, but I'd also like to see all the supportive things that we have to start to make it through. And some of those move through slowly, but some do eventually make it through. So we do have several days, and as most people know it's human nature and what psychology 101 that when there's time frames to something most things get done right at the last minute so unfortunately it takes that long but once the things get moving a little more we'll probably see a lot more accomplished every every student's uh best friend is uh, is a deadline it's a deadline right? true but, but the goal is to improve the educational opportunities for our students and also improve the environments for our people that provide that support yeah absolutely and that's such an important part unfortunately uh, we are up against the end of our time together i do want to thank you so much for being here and for walking us through some of these things uh, we will be watching 3035 and all and many of the other bills that you mentioned uh, thank you again for and being no on problem anytime i appreciate the invite absolutely. thank you back to you bob thanks for that chris the legislature today will end friday evening but tune in saturday evening for the final hours we will be broadcasting live from 8 p.m. till midnight when the session ends. The rest of this week, you can still tune in to the legislature today at 6 p.m. Don't forget, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily on our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Bob Runner. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.